continue the series on the spine of prophecy part six the gathering and the separating lord i ask you i come to you i ask you tonight to speak through me and glory and power strong anointing your words of life your living seeds of truth lord will go out you know into people's hearts and minds and lives water those seeds by the spirit of god and cause them to take root grow and produce a hundredfold harvest of eternal fruit that remains until jesus comes let your light shine and dispel darkness and deception and lies of the enemy. And Lord, release revelation, life, truth. And that your word will be like a mighty hammer that breaks down every stronghold and a sword that cuts away everything that needs to go. We thank you, Lord, for it. We apply the blood over this time of the word of God. We bind the enemy because the Bible says the enemy tries to be like birds that would try to steal the seed. So, Lord, we agree together, we bind the enemy that you will not hinder this word or anything to do with it wherever it is to go. We bind you now in the name of Jesus. Lord, let your Holy Spirit just take this seed and blow it out wherever you want it to go all over the world and let your holy angels guard and protect the word of the Lord because, Lord, it's not, it's not my opinion. Lord, I always try to do my best to, to preach your word. And so, Lord, let it go forth and be what you want it to be and confirm your word. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray now. Amen. All right. So, let's dive into this tonight. All right. I've been talking about the beginning of sorrows. I talked about last week about how we're at that time before, we're living at the time before what we know as the catching away of the bride and we, we're living in the time before what we know as the Great Tribulation time, or it can also be called the days of Jacob's trouble. We haven't got there yet. But we're living at that time right before that where the beginning of sorrows, the contractions in labor are starting to get more frequent and more severe, okay? And we're seeing that manifest just exactly like Jesus said it would, with wars, rumors of wars, um, sicknesses, pestilence, plagues, things like that. We're seeing it with um, just everything, the earthquakes, the signs, all that's going on. There's so many strange, bizarre things going on in the world. Some of it is just straight out violent, but there's also some things that I'll probably talk about through this whole series that is really paranormal and very bizarre. And I believe that it is connected to end time events. And I'll try to do my best since I'm able to take my time with this to cover everything and be as, as exhaustive as I can be. All right, so tonight I'm going to be talking about something a little different. I felt to talk about the gathering and the separating and the, if you want to maybe call it like the sifting that's going to be going on. And the, the dividing where the Lord's going to be determining who's for me, who's against me. The Lord is going to be uh, judging his house and testing. And those that are truly his and those that aren't, it's going to become increasingly obvious. And so there's going to be, as I go through this whole sermon, I think this will make sense to you, but it, it will be um, a little different angle. But it's going to talk about how God is gathering his people, but he's also bringing a separation between those that are for him and living holy and those that are not for him and playing games okay so let me just give you a couple nuggets here out of parables but jesus when he talked about the weed and the tares anybody that knows what tares are it's it's basically weeds but if you take tares you take them and you put them in a wheat field you cannot tell the difference between tares and wheat while they grow up i hope everybody can hear this because this is really important to understand this if you're growing a field of wheat, you need all that wheat, you need all that grain, okay? If somebody came in and threw a bunch of seed out there that, that was tares, the wheat and the tares are growing up, you can't tell them apart. They look exactly the same. You have to wait until they come to full maturity. And once they grow all the way up and come to full maturity, the wheat will begin to have the grain develop on the head of it. And because of the grain, it will get heavy and it will begin to bow over some. But the tear looks like wheat, but has no grain. 
and so it's just going to stand straight up so what you'll see is you'll see the tares standing straight up and you'll see the wheat kind of bowed over like this and people that are harvesters because they can get in there with the wheat and the tares up close they can tell which one is wheat and which one's not so they can cut and begin to separate them as they go but the point of the parable was this Matthew 13 30 let both of them grow together until the harvest at that time not before at that time I will tell the harvesters first collect the tares which are basically weeds tie them into bundles to be burned now I want you to think about that for a minute you're seeing there a gathering and a separating okay first off the harvesters which it goes later on to say the end of the age is the harvest and the harvesters are angels so we can deduce that this is dealing with angelic activity here but anyway the Lord told these harvesters first thing separate the wheat and the tares then he says and this is interesting so first you see a separation then he says now get all the tares together and bundle them up together to be burned now what you really think about this for me because this is talking about people there's people that are wheat and people that look like wheat but they're tares they're bearing no fruit they sit in churches and they look like Christians but they're not they're not the real deal you see what I'm saying so this is a very serious scripture and the Lord was saying for these angelic beings to first off separate those two then gather the tares into bundles bundle them up together what is that going to look like I wonder that people that are tares they're not really right with God they're not really truly God's people they have a form of religion but they really don't know the Lord and they're really not living a righteous life gather them all up together what does that look like could it be churches that really aren't the real deal that don't really preach the word I don't know I'm asking you just help me think about this tonight they're going to be gathered together to be bundled up to be put in the fire and the fire speaks of judgment not just hell in the future yeah it does speak of that but even possibly speaking of judgment in this life and then he says then after you've gotten the tares out of the way then he says gather the wheat and bring them into my barn that's interesting it reminds me of the scripture in Malachi which says to bring all your tithes and offerings into the storehouse you know so I think that what he's saying here about this storehouse this barn all of this he's talking about his place of provision where you're getting fed and what that could maybe speak of possibly is a powerful church where you're going to come and really get fed by God it I'll just put that out there okay so do you see what I'm saying there is right there in that passage there is the Lord sending forth his angels in these last days to help separate those that are real and those that are not because how many knows it's hard to tell as human beings all the time because we don't know people's hearts but God the Holy Spirit knows who are the Lord's and who isn't and so that's why I believe he's sending angels because he knows that it's very difficult for us as human beings to really differentiate but it's not going to be hard for those angels so anyway God's going to separate people and then he's going to gather some to experience judgment and others to experience whatever this represents into my barn I think it represents into a place of where he's pouring out his spirit and moving and really feeding the sheep all right Matthew 13 48 now this is interesting they were going out fishing in this parable and they were throwing their net out and they were gathering in all the fish that they could then they pull it up on the shore and they had to sit down and start going through the fish they took the good fish and they put them in one basket and then they took the fish that were not edible and they threw them into a waste basket and they separated them 
So you see here again <clears throat> that there's going to be a tremendous harvest in these last days. Tremendous. Millions and millions and millions of people getting saved. And you see the net of the Lord is going out into the nations and he's pulling in. And all these fish are being brought into the kingdom. But the Lord, once they get in, the Lord's going to have to start separating which ones are really truly mine that are going to live the life, that are really going to know me, that are going to be the real deal, and those that are just caught up in the... You know, whenever you have a move of God, for example, and maybe you have like uh, Billy Graham. We all know his powerful ministry. Let's say that he's preaching somewhere and he's got an audience of, let's just say there's 5,000 people. And people have been praying and, and the Holy Spirit is really moving. And, you know, he, there's such an anointing on his message that everybody feels convicted. I know how that felt at Brownsville. Because, I mean, even after I knew for sure I was saved, I still felt like I needed to go get saved. You know, there's such a conviction. I'm just telling you. And so there's this conviction that's at work. And, and everybody feels it. And because of what the Holy Spirit's doing and moving in that environment, let's say that our 5,000, let's say a good 1,000 people come down to give their life to the Lord. So the net went out. A 1,000 are pulled in. Now, everybody starts taking down the sound system, the lights. They all start going home. And now these 1,000 people um, are being put in churches or whatever. But see, the Lord has to look at their life beyond that service and see, wait a second, are these people really truly mine or were they just caught up in that moment and just simply made an emotional decision, but it's not really sticking, you know, it's not really laid hold in that. Does this make sense to anybody? Because people can get caught up in, in the moment, caught up in the music, caught up in other things and come down and, and they maybe they feel bad and they make... They say a prayer or whatever, but it's got to really get in them. They've got to really um, have a true born-again experience, not just an emotional thing, not just a mental agreement, but it's got to really be a new birth. So in these end times as God's moving, there's going to be a lot of people that get caught in that net and pulled forward, but not necessarily all of them are truly the Lord's. That's our job to just gather in the net, love everybody, minister to everybody, but the Lord himself will start going through there and he'll start pulling out, okay, this one's the real deal and this one is just playing games. I really feel like I'm just preaching what it says here. So the Lord in these last days is going to be separating who are really for him and who aren't is there's a lot of people that go to churches for different reasons. They go to churches because they have friends there. You know, they may go to church because they're bored and it's something fun to do. There's a lot of reasons people go, but the Lord wants to know where people's heart really is. Is their heart really truly belong to him completely and totally that they're really his and therefore they truly love him and they're truly going to lay down their life for him and they're truly going to live the life that he wants them to live or is it just an emotional thing or a, a mental agreement or, or are they just going for other reasons? Some people go to church to, um, you know, find a spouse. And I'm not saying that's a, a bad place, that's a good place to meet somebody like that, but... If that's the reason that they're going, that's not the right reason. They need to be going to church because they love Jesus, you know? And these other things are just side issues that, you know, you're believing God to meet in your life. But you, your purpose for going to God's house, and, and there's got to be a motive of your heart that's sincere. I believe that's the warning of Matthew 7, 21 where Jesus said there would be many, now this is a concerning scripture, many on that day that will say to him, Lord, we prophesied in your name, we healed the sick, we drove out demons, we did all these things in your name, we did all these things for you, 
And Jesus says, depart from me. I never knew you. And you practiced lawlessness, meaning you lived in sin. I never really knew you. So they wanted the gifts and the anointing, but they really didn't want the relationship, the intimacy, and the righteous living. There's two completely different things here. They wanted to be used of God where they could command a demon to leave and they could speak healing and all of that. But over here, Jesus said, I never really knew you. So they didn't have the intimacy with God. And he said, you practice lawlessness. They lived in unrepentant sin. They didn't live right. So they wanted the gift, but they didn't want the relationship and the righteous living. Do you see how the Lord is, is starting even now to sift? He's, he's, and I'll tell you something. There's churches out there that love God and are really going to see a mighty revival. But there's also churches out there that the Lord himself is going to remove their lampstand and they are no longer going to be considered by heaven to even be a church. They're just a bunch of people gathering together in you know, his name, but they're not considered by him to be his house and his church any longer. Their lampstand will be removed because they're embracing things that God is against. They're going to be embracing homosexual lifestyles and people like that in leadership and preachers like that, etc. And we love them and I pray for them, but you can't talk, you can't accept it. If the Bible's against it, you can't it's accept it in your congregation like that. And they're going to accept sin and other things in the camp and they're not going to deal with it. They're going to let it go and they're going to act like everything's okay. They got people, you know, that are, that are teaching youth and Sunday school and different things like that, that, that are, uh, you know, getting drunk on weekends, sleeping around, doing all this stuff, and they're not dealing with it. They're letting this garbage go on, and the Lord says, you know what? I'm going to remove your lampstand. You're not even a church in, in my kingdom anymore. You, you just do your own thing, and they're on their own. And that's in the book of Revelation. But I believe that the Lord will remove some lampstands. So God is about to clean house, and I believe he's already started. So there's going to be a great division, and the Bible says a great falling away. Because of the pressure of the time that we're living, more and more people are going to be deceived, and they're going to fall away. And the Lord will purge his church. So the great falling away is going to have many facets to it. Because some people will be deceived in different ways. For example, I think that the three main areas, if you want to get down to root issues of why people get deceived, it's this. Number one is probably pride because people get lifted up in pride. They think I'm right and they won't listen any longer to people. And pride causes people to go into great deception. The second is rebellion. Because people get rebellious and they won't come under authority and listen any longer. And so they're going to end up in great deception. And the third is fear. Because people f are so afraid of everything, they're, they're going to be greatly deceived. Fear is actually going to work against people, not for them. Even being afraid of being deceived. I'm not afraid of being deceived. Why? Because I have faith that Jesus will keep me. I have faith that the Holy Spirit will keep me, okay? So I'm not afraid of being deceived. I believe those three areas, pride, rebellion, and fear, will cause great deception. So rebellion can be that people don't want to adhere to what the Bible says, and so they want to go off and say it's okay to be a Christian but also be a witch, or it's okay to be a Christian and live in sexual sin, or it's okay to be a Christian and do this. That is rebellion against God's word. And it leads them into great deception. And then somebody tries to come to them in love and say, listen, man, you can't do that. And they get angry. Why? Because they're prideful and they won't listen. So this is going to be an area that God is going to really separate. First Peter 4.17 says, for it is time for judgment to begin with the household of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the outcome of those who do not obey the gospel of God? So right now, we're still in this period of grace. I hope everybody can really hear me with this because this warm season of grace that we're in right now, 
will be turned one day to a chilling season of wrath. And I'm going to explain that in the harvest cycles. But right now, as difficult as the world is, we're still in a warm season of grace. If we come to Jesus, say, Lord, forgive me, I repent, and you humble yourself, God will forgive you. I mean, he will embrace you, he'll help you, he'll work with you, but there's going to come a point in time where things will shift in the earth, the bride will be caught away, the earth's going to go into tribulation, and, and I'll explain this here in a moment, but it's going to be a very difficult time for people that are here, very difficult. It's not going to be like it is now. I mean, this is easy compared to where it's going. All right, so let me just read over this. I'm not really going to get into the catching away right now. I'm just going to touch on it and then move on because I want to touch on it to make a point so that I can get into the harvest cycles. But I will do an in-depth look at the catching away of the bride. In fact, next week I'm going to talk about the preparation, the purification of the bride, and, and we're going to have a sermon centered around um, Purim and what's going on all right so let me go into this first off uh, dr. Cho said this Regre regrettably even though the Bible makes a clear distinction between the two comings of Christ some people are still mistaken in the interpreting of what will happen when they teach that the church will also go through the tribulation they not only hurt themselves but they lead others astray and that is true it's very sad but it's it's hurting people and the reason why, there's many reasons, but the reason why is that the Lord is trying to prepare a bride to be with him at the marriage supper of the Lamb, to be caught away with him as a thief in the night. And that should be the preparation, right? But instead, you've got people that are like survivalists now that are trying to teach people how to survive maybe out in the woods or something during the tribulation time. All I'm saying is, is they're not really actually helping people. They're, they're trying to keep people here. But the Lord is wanting to catch away his bride. And if we're willing to really consecrate ourselves and, and get things right with him and be ready, then we're not going to be caught unaware, but we're going to be caught up with him. Okay. All right, so let me give you some things, but this is just a, a small amount of it. I'm going to cover a lot more later, but... Here's some ancient witnesses that point to the catching away of the bride or some call it the rapture. Number one, Enoch. Enoch actually lived. Did you know I did the math on this? Somebody actually got me into this and I started looking at the math. Did you know because back then Adam and all these guys lived like this crazy long life. I mean, would you really want to live 800 years? I, I definitely would not want to live that long, especially today. But I guess back then it probably wasn't as bad. But Adam, if you look at his lifespan and you look how people were born, Enoch would have known Adam possibly. I mean, he was alive. So Enoch, the reason why Enoch maybe habitually walked with God day after day in fellowship and walked and talked with him like he did might be because he decided, I'm going to go visit Adam and Adam told him, before we fell, we used to walk and talk with God every day. And Enoch said, I've got to have that. So the, the first generation after Adam died, the first generation that had no hope of knowing him because he had passed away would have been Noah. That's interesting. So everybody else before Noah Adam was still alive and they could have made a journey to go talk to him and hear about how the Garden of Eden was before the fall. But Enoch lived in a time when things had gotten so evil. There was violence, I'm sure. Uh, I personally believe in, that there was uh, Nephilim on the earth and so there was fallen angels. I'm sure there was widespread occult practices. It was extremely evil. And Enoch, even though he was in an extremely evil generation, the Lord raptured him out before judgment came. See, so what you've got to understand is this. There's a difference between Hebrews chapter 12, 
where it talks about the loving judgment of God, where God disciplines those he loves. There's a difference between that and the wrath of God when God comes down to destroy. Now, how many knows that God's people that are righteous, we are not appointed to the wrath of God? There's a difference. We are definitely appointed to God's judgment because God wants to discipline those he loves. And so God's going to allow some things in our lives to go through tribulations, trials, etc. But whenever you read in the scriptures where God came down in the way like Sodom and Gomorrah, Noah's day, for example, he came down with wrath and judgment like he's going to do in the tribulation time, he always rescued the righteous out before. So Enoch was raptured out of there. Noah Noah knew he was a preacher of righteousness and he lived a righteous life before God and his bloodline had not been defiled by that whole Nephilim garbage that was going on all around him, all over the world. And so Noah and his family built that ark and God, listen to this, God put them in that ark and it says that God shut the door and sealed them in and they were in there for seven days. That is a prophetic picture and type of the seven years that the bride will be with the Lord. He was encapsulated inside a place where the wrath of God began to come down on the earth and God began to destroy all the wickedness, God's wrath coming down. Noah and his family were insulated and lifted up above it. While the wrath of God came down, Noah, being righteous, went up. And then when the wrath of God subsided, Noah and his family came back down to the earth again it's a perfect picture and type of the catching away of the bride for seven years and then then bring being brought back elijah 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 lived in a wicked time as well with queen jezebel and all of that and god pulled him out but it's interesting because you know elijah obviously is being reserved for the last days he's actually you know to this day the jewish people sing a song um, Eliyahu Hanavi yeah and they sing a song about the coming of Elijah and this song there's they're singing that Elijah the prophet come and herald the coming of um, Messiah son of David they call him uh, Mashiach ben David the, the Messiah son of David and they believe that Elijah will come to herald his coming because it says it in Malachi you know what's interesting before Jesus comes to Israel on the Mount of Olives and comes in as glorious appearing Elijah the prophet will have been to Jerusalem remember that the two witnesses he's going to be one of them so Elijah was caught out and reserved for the last days but he's another picture and type of being raptured out of a wicked generation but it's interesting because Enoch had a strong prayer life Noah lived righteously and Elijah had a strong anointing those are the three things that I believe the Lord is trying to tell us in these last days he keeps telling us, watch and pray. That's having a strong prayer life. That's like Enoch. He keeps telling people, repent and live pure. Be a bride that has made herself ready. That's like Noah being righteous. And then he says, you need to be like a wise virgin filled with extra oil. That's like Elijah with a strong anointing. <coughs> and remember, Jesus said that at his coming, it would be like it was in the days of Noah and in the days of Lot. And both of those time periods, the earth where they were around, where Lot was around, but Noah, it was the entire earth, they were totally given over to evil, perversions, violence, wickedness. And God, in both situations with Noah and Lot, he brought destruction down and totally destroyed them, but he pulled the righteous out before he did it in both cases. So Jesus is trying to say that he's going to send a major serious judgment on the earth during this tribulation time. And he's wanting to warn us that we will have a strong prayer life, we'll be watching and praying. That we will be righteous, we'll be a bride that has made herself ready, and then that we will be wise virgins with extra oil, like Elijah, and that we will be ready so when it's time, he's going to catch away his bride right before that judgment comes, just like he did with Noah. Right before, it wasn't like Noah was in the ark for two, three years before the rain. 
I mean, Noah went into the ark. He was sealed for a week, and then rain came. As soon as Lot and he got his daughters out of there, fire came down. It was quick. So as soon as the bride is caught out, fire from God, so to speak, symbolically, the judgments are going to begin to fall on the earth. And so there's obviously two different comings of the Lord, and I believe that they're very connected to what we know as the Feast of Trumpets. The Jews call it Yom Teruah. Um, we also call it Rosh Hashanah, but the Feast of Trumpets. But anyway, first off, there's going to be where Jesus is in the air. He doesn't come all the way down. He's in the air. There's a meeting where his bride is caught up, come up here, and caught away in the air. Then there's his glorious appearing where his feet come all the way down to the earth and touch the Mount of Olives and the Mount of Olives split in two and he goes into Jerusalem to take over there are two different appearings the first appearing is as a thief in the night now don't think a thief in the night means that nobody's gonna know about it when you have millions of people disappear the world's gonna be talking and I'll get into some of the weird stuff they're gonna be saying they're gonna think maybe it's a alien invasion or something they really will you I promise you probably most of them will but anyway there's there's going to be this first appearing where what he means by thief in the night is is that people weren't ready that's what that means but everybody's going to know something happened and then you also have um his glorious appearing where it's like lightning and he destroys the armies of Israel and everybody sees him, his feet hit the Mount of Olives, he comes in. I mean, everybody's going to see this appearing. He says it from, from the um, east to the west, that lightning's going to shine, his glorious appearing. Everybody's going to see it. And he's going to come in and take over. So these are two completely different appearings of the Lord. And God gave, just like God gave Moses the Torah, the, the mystery of God, if you will, gave it to Moses on Sinai, and I'll get more into that in another time. God took Paul to Arabia, probably to this same area, and gave him a lot of mysteries and revelation for the New Testament, for us today. And Paul was the one that taught on the catching away of the bride. All right, so just a few more things about this, and I'll get off of it for today. I'm just touching on it, but remember the seven days that Noah was locked up in the ark. That's prophetic. And also, this is really interesting. Whenever it was time for one high priest to leave office and to initiate another high priest, they could only serve in temple ministry from the age of 30 to 50. So whenever the guy turned 50 years old, it was time for him to retire. And so he would have somebody else, his, his next in line to come that was gonna be the high priest. And they would go through this thing where they shed blood he had to water baptize him, what they called mikveh. Then he had to anoint him, put the garments on him. All of that, once that whole ordination was done, that individual that had just been consecrated had to stay in the temple area for seven days. Locked up there. Why? Because God was going to consecrate him there. Now listen. One of the purposes that the Lord is going to catch away his bride while all this stuff's going on on the earth is because I'm telling you, one of the things that will be happening to us is that there's going to be a deep, deep consecration there at that marriage supper. And the Lord is going to prepare us to come back with him and help minister and help rule and reign with him. Isn't that awesome? So it's going to be a place of deep consecration for seven days, so to speak. Seven years, but it's prophetic. All right, a few more scriptures. Revelation 3, 7 through 13. Remember, Philadelphia spoke of the times of great revival on the earth. Because you have kept my word of my perseverance, I will also keep you from the hour of testing, that hour which is about to come upon the whole world. To test those who dwell on the earth, I am coming quickly. Hold fast to what you have so that no one will take your crown. He that overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Every time I read that and I hear a pillar in the temple, I think, man, I want that. I want to be in God's presence. You know, when he comes, that's where I would want to be, a pillar in his temple. So anyway, 
he's saying that this Philadelphia prophetically spoke of the age of revivals, remember? So during this age of great revivals that were going on, the Lord is using in these last days, I believe it's prophetic for us about the revivals that's going on is what I'm trying to get to. The Lord is using the great outpouring of his Holy Spirit to prepare a bride for his coming. And he's saying to them, if you will overcome, if you will hold on to my word, if you'll have perseverance, I will keep you from the hour of testing that's coming on the earth. In other, ways, in other words, I'm going to pull you out. All right, then Isaiah sees the resurrection of the bride. This is an amazing scripture a lot of people are not aware of. As the pregnant woman, Isaiah 26, 17, as the pregnant woman approaches the time to give birth. Now, what are we dealing with? Well, we're dealing with the beginning of sorrows. So we're dealing with a time where it's like a woman that is beginning to have contractions, okay? <clears throat> as a woman pregnant approaches the time of giving birth, this is the contractions. She writhes and cries out in her labor pains. Thus we, thus we were before you, O Lord. We were pregnant. We writhed in labor. We gave birth as it seems only to wind. Listen to this. We could not accomplish deliverance for the earth, nor were the inha inhabitants of the world born. Your dead will live. Now look at this. Your dead will live. Their corpses will rise. You who lie in the dust, awake and shout for joy. Is anybody else seeing a resurrection from the dead here? For your dew is as the dew of the dawn, and the earth will give birth to the departed spirits. In other words, those that are dead in Christ will rise first. And those that are alive will be changed in the twinkling of an eye. So Isaiah saw that resurrection of the dead. He saw that there would be like a, a pregnant woman beginning to go into contractions. And then there would be people that are coming up out of the earth being raised up out of it. Isn't that amazing? And then he says in verse 20, come my people, enter, look at this, enter into your rooms and close your doors behind you. What did the foolish virgin say? The wise were gone. They went with the bridegroom. They were gone. The foolish virgins were down here knocking on heaven's door, so to speak. Hey, you forgot us. He said, come up, people. Enter into your rooms and close your doors behind you. Hide for a little while while the indignation runs its course. That's the tribulation. For behold, the Lord is about to come out from his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity, and the earth will reveal her bloodshed and will no longer cover her slain. So the Lord is saying, while this tribulation period is going on, I want you to come hide away with me in this place with me. Isn't that powerful? So here's what I wanted to get to. Two more things, the harvest cycles and then the sheep and goat nations. So I'm talking about gathering. So the whole thing about the, the catching away of the bride is this. The Lord is going to gather those that have made themselves ready for his coming he's going to gather them unto himself and in that moment they will be separated from those that did not make themselves ready do you see once again how there's a separating there between those so god knows who has made themselves ready and who hasn't and there's going to be a great separation So let me tell you about the harvest cycles. This is really interesting. Jeremiah 30, verse 7, Alas, for that day is great, there is none like it. I'm going to tell you, the tribulation time, there's not going to be any other time like it. The Bible says that it will be the most difficult times the earth has ever seen. And if the days were not cut short, nobody would survive it. He said, it is the time of Jacob's trouble. Now, what was Jacob's name changed to? Israel. It's the time of Israel's trouble, not the bride of Christ's trouble. But he will be saved out from it. God will supernaturally preserve Israel. They will not be obliterated during it, but it will be extremely difficult. So here's the interesting thing about the harvest cycles. Please lock into this because I think that you'll really enjoy this. This, this is amazing to me. First off, let me just recap so the catching away of the bride the lord looks down he sees those that have made themselves ready and those that have not 
once again, wheat and tares. And he gathers the wheat, the bride that has made herself ready unto him, separating the wheat and tares. Does everybody see that? All right, so here's the, the three harvest cycles. In the springtime at Passover, it is the time for the barley harvest. The barley harvest is really, um, it's interesting in this respect. The way that they would sift through the barley is this. They would go out in the field, they would cut it all down and bring it into um, a threshing floor. And they have what's called a winnowing fork. A winnowing fork is just a big pitchfork, okay? So they had this place that was built, and the wind would blow through this place. And what they would do is they would take the barley and piles, and they would take their pitchfork, their winnowing fork, and they would take it, and they would throw it up in the air. And when they did, the wind would blow away the chaff, and the barley would fall down on the ground. And that's how they did this. And so somebody that owned a barley field would have all their workers out there. They would bring it in, and then they would sit in there as that wind's blowing through. They would take their winnowing fork and throw it up into the wind. All that chaff would blow over here, and the barley would hit the ground, and so they would gather that barley over here. And so that was how they separated it. This is about to make a lot of sense. Just follow me. Then... The next harvest after that is called the wheat harvest. They celebrate that at Pentecost. Wheat's different. Wheat's not like barley. Barley is soft and it's, the wind will separate it. It's, it's pretty easy to be separated. Wheat is not like that. Whenever they harvested wheat, they went out and did the same thing, cut it all down, brought it in. Now they had to have something that looked like a sled, okay? Just like you see kids on a sled going down a slope, okay, it looked like a sled. And what it was, it would be tied to an animal. And they would have somebody stand on the sled to give it a lot of weight. And they had all that wheat there. And that animal would walk and pull the sled over the wheat. And that sled, you could hear the, the, the wheat cracking. That hard surface around it would crack. And it would separate, begin to separate the wheat, the grain out but it had to be crushed to get it separated. And so they would ride that sled and that's, what, that's how they did it. And then somebody would go behind them and would separate out the wheat grain. And that's how they did that. And then the third harvest is actually in the fall and you're dealing with grapes and figs and things like that, but grapes. The grape harvest is it, it, you know, it talks about in the scriptures, the blood of the grape, and I tread out the wine press, press of my wrath and all of that. The grape harvest is actually has to do with, with like bloodshed. So let me get, let me show you this now if you'll follow me. The first harvest, like the barley, is what we're in right now. It's a time of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And see, barley, it doesn't have to be crushed. People that are like the barley, the wind of the Holy Spirit can blow out of their life the stuff that needs to go. And they'll surrender to the Holy Spirit and they'll let the Lord prepare them. And you know what? That, that barley is tossed up in the air and caught away, <laughs> if I could say it that way. The, the barley harvest has to do with the fact that the Lord is going to come. He, right now, we're having this great outpouring of the Holy Spirit all over the world, a great harvest of souls because the Holy Spirit is moving, the wind of the Spirit is blowing, and, and, and people are being gathered. And those that are making themselves ready, they're going to be caught away, tossed up and caught away with the Lord. He's right now sifting, sifting his people, getting us ready. That's the first harvest is what we're experiencing in our day and it will be um, consummated or finalized at the catching of the way catching away of the bride all right the next harvest is going to be the tribulation harvest these are people that were harder and they have to go through crushing they had a harder shell about them 
The Holy Spirit tried to deal with them. The Holy Spirit tried to convict them. The Lord tried to prepare them, but they hardened their heart and they wouldn't get things right. And so they're going to be here during the tribulation time. And during the tribulation time, they're going to have to go through the crushing of the severity of those days, but there will be a harvest that takes place during that time. There's going to be a lot of people that are martyred for the faith. And then the third and final harvest is the grape harvest. After the tribulation period, man, there's been so much bloodshed and, and, and so much crushing like the grapes and all that. But this is what it says. After Jesus comes back in his glorious appearing, his feet touch the Mount of Olives, all of that, he says in Matthew 24, 31, he will send out his angels with a great trumpet blast, you know, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of the sky to the other. So what's going to happen is there's going to be a final harvest of those that survived the tribulation time. And those are going to be probably primarily Jewish people that survived, but also some Christians that probably had to live on the land because you couldn't buy or sell without a mark. So they're probably out in the woods somewhere with a campsite living like people did a couple thousand years ago, you know. Does that make sense? So right now we're in the barley time. The wind of the Spirit is blowing. Let the Lord blow out of your life what needs to blow out and Him prepare a bride. And at the fullness of time, the Lord is going to catch those people up out. But those that are here during the tribulation time, it's going to be a crushing. They can still make heaven. They just have to give their life to Jesus. But there's a possibility, a very strong possibility, that they'll be martyred for their faith. And there's going to be a, a real crushing that's going on during that time. It's going to be very difficult. But that crushing will separate those who are of the Lord and those who aren't. But at the very end, there's still going to be a harvest, the grape harvest, of those that survived the tribulation. And the Lord knows those who are his, and he's going to go gather them. He's going to go gather those scattered Jews and reveal himself to them, and they're going to, be they're going to believe in him because they're going to see him. And he's going to also, I'm sure, send his angels to go get the Christians that are off in hiding and gather everybody back unto him, okay? So this whole sermon's been about separating and gathering. And that whole process is God separating the wheat from the tares, separating the good fish from the bad. I mean, from, the, from right now all the way to the end, there's a constant separating of those who are really going to go after God and surrender everything and those who won't. And this is another kind of final separation. So after Jesus has gathered those that were scattered, he set up his kingdom, he's reigning in Jerusalem. Listen to this. He says, but the Son of Man comes, when he comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. This is at the temple in Jerusalem. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He'll put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. So the Lord is going to judge the nations. Did you guys catch that? The Lord is going to judge the nations. There's going to be a separation. So what separates the nations from one another? <clears throat> then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I, Jesus says, I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, you invited me in. I was naked, you clothed me. I was sick, you visited me. I was in prison, you came to see me. And then the righteous are going to say to him, Lord, when did we do this? When did we see you hungry and feed you, thirsty and give you drink? And you were a stranger and we invited you in. You were naked and we clothed you. When did we do these things? And the king will answer him and say to them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brethren of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me. And most people believe, and I believe this is referring to the Jewish people. So how the nations responded toward Israel and toward the Jewish people. And then verse 41 then he's going to say to the goats on his left, the goat nations, depart from me, accursed ones, into eternal fire, which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. 
For again, I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, you did not buy me. And I was naked, you did not clothe me. I was in prison, you didn't visit me. And then they're going to say the same thing. When did we not feed you? When did we not do all these things? And he's going to say, truly I say to you, to the extent that you did not do it to the one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. Then go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Do you see how the Lord, through these parables, right now, all the way till the sheep and goat nations, he's separating those. There's a, there's a sifting and a separating of who is really his and who's, who are not. Who are really going to live a righteous life and those who are not. Because anybody can come to church. You know, we have all Christian churches pretty much that I know of have an open door policy. Anybody can come to church. Anybody can say a prayer. Anybody can sing a song. But the Lord knows their heart, and he knows those that are really, truly his and those that are not. And from the point right now, God is moving through the earth, and he is sifting and he's separating. That's why there's a great falling away. That's why there's apostate churches right now. That's why there's people that are abandoning the faith. Why? Because they're the tares, and the angels are beginning to pull the tares out and bundle them up together and separate them, and he's also separating out the wheat. That's going on right now. And God is moving among his people, and he's preparing a bride for his coming. Those that will allow that to get ready and when the time comes, they're going to be caught away, but others left behind. That's the whole point of Matthew 25, the parable of the ten virgins. Five were ready, five weren't. So again, you see us separating. And it goes all the way through the tribulation time until Jesus is actually ruling and reigning. And even on his throne, he's going to separate sheep and goat nations. And I don't know about you, but I want to be ready. I want to be like the barley. The barley doesn't have to be crushed. I don't want the Lord to have to crush me because I'm so hard, so hard-hearted, so hard-headed, so stubborn and rebellious that I would have to go through this intense crushing. I want the Lord to just be able to move by the wind of his spirit and blow out of my life what needs to go. Amen? All right, so Brother Zach, let's go ahead and shut down recordings. Lord, I thank you for your word tonight for the winds of your spirit that are blowing in these last days, a harvest of souls. Whew. All right, since recordings are off, I'm only going to take like five minutes, okay? And then we're going to pray for people. Do anybody have any questions about this or comments? Jerry, you almost got called out, but I saw your hand go up. Does anybody have any questions or comments or anything? Real quick, I'm not going to spend a long time. No reason to be shy. Yes.